Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. This is an extra podcast and it's something different than you are used to if you're a regular listener to this podcast because normally you will um, uh, notice, you will know that we're having guests on the podcast. But this time I wanted to try something different for the main reason that there is one of the dimensions that uh, Professor Geert Hofstede uses in his cultural cultural model that seems to be a real difficult one to understand and possibly even to explain as well. So um, I've taken the opportunity to actually use the medium of, of audio, the podcast, to see if I can shed some lights on the dimension uncertainty avoidance. Uncertainty Avoidance Index, um, UAI, UA, it's called uh, Anxiety Avoidance, uh, different names for the the same uh, thing, actually. So, um, this dimension, the reason that I'm doing this is that uh, time and again when I do a workshop, it's, uh, it's I find it very difficult to explain this dimension to people because most people initially start understanding the fact that it's called uncertainty avoidance and link that up with the amount of rules that there are in a country or in a culture. And to some extent, that is true. Of course, uh, in a country that scores high on uh, uncertainty avoidance or anxiety avoidance, countries like Belgium, like Greece, um, but also countries in South America, countries, some countries in Asia, uh, the Germans as well score relatively high on this dimension. Uh, there are more rules than there are in countries that score relatively low. And low scoring countries would be uh, the Scandinavian countries, would be the United States, Canada, Australia. The Netherlands sort of is, is on the edges in the middle. And uh, the U- UK, as I mentioned before, is also on the, uh, the low end side. So if you compare the low, con- low scoring countries versus the high scoring countries, you will find that high-scoring countries objectively have more rules and um, and subjectively in terms of the, the, the rules that are unwritten, there tend to be also a lot of rules. And that's the difficulty with this dimension uncertainty avoidance that most people initially, when they're being um, explained this dimension or where they learn this dimension, try to understand this dimension, they link it up with the official uh, rules, the book of law, or the, uh, the maximum speed on the highway, for instance. So that's not the the case alone. It's true, but it's not the whole picture. And there's so much more linked to this dimension. Okay, now, if you're listening, and I know that the majority of the audience is in the United States, and um, or 50% that is, and the other 50% is spread out around the world, and ask yourself the question, in my country, are there a lot of rules? Or in my country, is there a lot of bureaucracy? I, I've done this for, for well close to 20 years, and when I ask this question to a group of people, to an audience, then um, irrespectively, everybody always says, yes, there are a lot of rules in my country. 
But like I explained before, we all have the, the, the feeling that there are a lot of rules. But if you look at it objectively, then you will find actually that it's not 100% the case. So countries that score low just have less rules than countries that score high. And of course, we all have these unwritten rules, but low scoring countries tend to uh, deal with that somewhat more flexible. Think about, um, for instance, if you would order a beer in the UK, in a, in a British pub, you would go there, order a beer, a pint of lager, um, whatever. It's being poured, it takes some time, and you get the, um, uh, the the pint, right? You pay, you go, and you do your own thing, you start enjoying your beer. Now, compare that to, for instance, how the French deal with opening a bottle of wine and tasting it. In France, it's a whole sequence of events. It's a, it's like a ritual, but it gives it adds structure to this dimension of uncertainty avoidance and the way the french would do this i mean this is hypothetically how it would go according to the book of course is the waiter stands next to you and shows you the label of the bottle that you've ordered then you will you would take your glass you would sniff your glass whether your glass is actually smelly or not because that would spoil the uh, the taste of the wine and then uh, the waiter would open the bottle of wine in front of you and would pour a little bit of wine you would actually ask who is tasting and you would say yes i'm tasting and then you would um, the waiter would pour a little bit of wine there in your glass. You would swirl. You would um, put the wine in your mouth. You would swirl it in your mouth as well. Sip, taste, you know, breathe, slurp, whatever you need to do. And then, of course, you need to swallow and then come back with, okay, this is a good wine or it's not a, a good wine. That same bottle of wine in the United States is usually uh, comes to the table already opened for you to enjoy. And possibly a Frenchman would say, no, I don't accept this. If I order a bottle of wine, then it needs to be closed when it comes to the table and it needs to be opened to follow that sequence. Well, that is uncertainty avoidance. Um, the uh, definition, so let's put a, a, a definition. According to, to Professor Geert Hofstede, who after all really is the founding father of the first practical model of culture, uncertainty avoidance is defined as, here it goes, uncertainty avoidance deals with a, a society's tolerance for uncertainty and ambiguity. It indicates to what extent a culture programs its members to feel either uncomfortable or comfortable in an unstructured situation. Well, I find that that's, that's an excellent uh, dimension, but um, I'm almost pretty sure that you probably can't remember what the first word was. Well, it was uncertainty avoidance. So it's a long definition, and it's more of an academic dish definition. Um, I tend to give it more of a practical approach, and the practical approach is, is a story like this. Now, um, if I ask you two things, what two things are certain in life? Which two things are absolutely certain in life? Um, you might come up with, um, well, with, with uh, uh, being born or something, uh, or dying. And I think that's true. Dying is part of, is one of these two things that are certain in life. And basically, it's a, it's a, it's a North American joke, I think, or an Anglo-Saxon joke. They say there are two things certain in life. One is death and the other one is taxes. So... Um, at, at a certain moment in life, you will die, and at a certain moment in life, you will actually hear a knock on the door, and it's a tax, tax man sticking out his hand, and you have to pay your taxes. So do, those two, two things are certain in life. Now, some cultures are okay with that, and other cultures say, well, hang on, you know, if, that's, if those are the only two things that are certain in life, that's not enough. I'd like to have more certainty around me, more certainty in life. I'd like to feel and, and experience that life is more predictable like that. So they create all kinds of rules and institutions and uh, uh, quote unquote rituals, I'm doing air quotes here, 
and to actually make life more predictable. So this is, I think, it's more of a practical approach to that. So um, I told you about rules and bureaucracy and also the confusing factor, of course, that we associate rules usually with the official rules, but it's not like that only. Um, a couple of things that I would like to uh, uh, pinpoint as well. There are a couple of um, uh, correlations, I would actually say, with them. And uh, mind you that uh, a correlation is not a uh, is not causal, of course, right? So it's important to realize that. And uh, when I say correlations, uh, what I mean with that, if uh, uncertainty avoidance goes up, the correlated item goes up. I'm going to run you by um, uh, run by you run by you a couple of these correlations and explain them a little bit to give you a little bit more uh, idea, a bit a little bit more traction with this dimension. Um, what's the first one? Okay, the first one is highway speed. Let's talk about highway speed. So the statement here is is that if the score on uncertainty avoidance is high, then people tend to drive faster or uh, officially as well you will find that in countries that score high the maximum speed is higher than in countries that score low but that's the official part right um the uh, unofficial part is is that the t- people have a tendency in high-scoring countries to simply drive faster than in low-scoring sc- countries. So, in other words, the need for speed tends to be in this dimension. Um, the, the explanation could possibly be that people want to get as fast as possible from A to B uh, in order not to miss out what's happening at B, right? And it's it's you might say, well, hang on, isn't that taking risks? If you're actually speeding, well, it's um, people can, would consider um, driving and flying and any form of form of like normal transportation. They would say that is a calculated risk. So it's a calculated risk, and that, that I take in order to get done what I want to get done, which is transportation from A to B. So the consequences uh, consequence of this speeding behavior in high scoring countries is a higher amount of well fatal casualties in higher scoring countries than it is in lower scoring countries. So it's speed over lives. That's how it turns out to be. The other one that correlates with this is alcohol consumption. The lower the score on this dimension, the the fewer alcohol is being consumed as a nation overall. And I told you about the uh, and so the other word the, the other way around it works as well. The higher the score, of course, the more alcohol is being consumed in a country. The higher the score in uncertainty avoidance, the more alcohol people consume. The Brits, um, which is uh, respectively a relatively low scoring country are by far not the highest beer consumers in the world. The Czechs, where the little uh, village of Pilsner actually is, where beer actually was, well, not originally made, but that's where uh, they drink a lot of beer, and by far more than the Brits actually do. And the Czechs are being followed by the Germans, whereby the Germans actually score somewhat lower than the Czechs. So the Czechs score relatively high. They drink the most beer um, in the world as such, then followed by the Germans. And the Brits are actually quite somewhere low down this whole ladder. So alcohol consumption is um, uh, is linked with this dimension. Also, think about the, um, uh, the French possibly having a, a glass of wine with their lunch, something that I don't think any Brit would consider that having a pint of beer. Of course, there are exceptions, but most Brits will not actually really do that. Smoking um, is yet another correlation with that. Smoking and, and something that is slowly being banned in the Western world, but it's, um, there's still um, quite a significant difference in cultures uh, that when it comes to the issue of smoking, high-scoring countries tend to smoke more than lower scoring countries 
Okay, then we follow this by the showing of emotions. And if you look at the first three items on this, which um, I mentioned alcohol consumption, um, smoking and the highway speed, if you look at that, then if you sort of take the umbrella of emotions and cover that and, and take these subjects, smoking, alcohol consumption and highway speed, you could actually argue that, well, that is a way of showing emotions, right? So think about it like that as well. Higher scoring countries tend to um, how do you say, express their emotions more. And, and a high scoring country would be France, would be Italy, uh, would be Venezuela, would be Brazil. That doesn't mean that people go out um, in the street and scream. And that's that's not what it is. So it's a, um, it, it's, it has much more to do with how people show their emotions. And you can show your emotions by smoking more, by speeding. You can show your emotions by um, consuming more alcohol. You can, well, there are several ways you can show your emotions. And imagine, for instance, a there's a head-to-tail car collision in London versus one in Rome. In Rome, people, I think, would be much more emotional i guess and uh, the brits might actually do this and solve this in a civilized way as the brits always do this in a civilized way all right um a couple of more items to go i am looking here at um, medicine consumption medicine consumption is also linked to this dimension the higher the score the more medicine tend to people tend to consume there's like a feeling of better safe better to be safe than sorry Linked to that is also the, um, uh, the the resistance, which is slowly becoming a global problem, to antibiotics. So countries that score high tend to uh, be more resistant or have more bacteria that are resistant to prescribed antibiotics. Sometimes even to the extent that doctors prescribe antibiotics for people that, are, um, that have the common cold, which doesn't make much sense because common cold is a virus and antibiotics only work on bacteria. So medicine consumption is part of that. Designer clothing. Designer clothing is one of these issues that's linked to this as well. And uh, you might have guessed it, the, um, the higher the score, the more people actually spend on designer clothing. It's, uh, I guess the feeling behind this is it's better to be overdressed than to be underdressed. Next one on the list is expertise and titles. This is where people put importance on official and academic titles, like, for instance, the Herr Doctor, Doctor Professor titles being used in Germany. But also a mayor, a lawyer, a doctor, etc. are being seen as like more trustworthy than people not carrying a title like that. In countries that score high on uncertainty avoidance or anxiety avoidance, people in ads advertising toothpaste, for instance, usually wear a white coat. It sort of gives the impression of an expert, of being an expert, or at least someone that knows what he or she is talking about if you're living in the euro zone where they use the euro as a currency then there's another interesting issue which actually only applies here to the euro zone the euro to local currency in a couple of european countries for instance france is one of them the prices in supermarkets are mentioned in euros but they're also still mentioned in french francs and that's the case in france specifically that i know from my own experience the idea probably behind this is that it's more uh, or the it's more familiar the old currency is more familiar and apparently is more certain as such in in belgium the country where i live uh which is also a high scoring country older people still calculate or value their house in millions of belgian francs which used to be the case before the euro was actually introduced okay 
Where do we stand? What do we have next is bottled water. High scoring countries consume more bottled water than low scoring countries. The reason is actually quite simple. If you drink bottled water, you know what you're drinking. Why? Because it's it's on the label. And if you're drinking tap water, you don't. And if you want to avoid any uncertainty, of course, you better drink the bottled water. Even though it might be the case that the bottled water being in these plastic bottles might be of a lesser quality than the water that actually comes straight from your tap. But just that's just how it is. One of the last ones that I uh, personally have found is our, or is our, our Wi-Fi networks. And uh, I'm not talking about public Wi-Fi networks that are being supported by your local telecom company. I'm talking more about ordinary households that have a, a Wi-Fi network that is neither protected, like a WPA2 or something, or is completely open. So anyone can actually basically join. High-scoring countries protect, protect their the Wi-Fi network more than low-scoring countries. For instance, if you would walk the streets of, of Paris and you would try to pick up a Wi-Fi network, it would be really difficult not to pick up the network, but a open network as such. Do the same thing on uh, Manhattan in New York and there's a good chance that you will pick up in an open network of some, of a household, of somebody who just did not protect his uh, his housework, his uh, network. And remember, I'm not talking here about the, the Starbucks networks. That's, that's not the issue here. Um, a couple of things actually are um, inverse or negatively correlated. One of them is coronary heart disease. In other words, countries that score high on uncertainty avoidance and let out their emotions suffer less from coronary heart disease. You could say that to some extent the blowing off steam is somehow good for your health. Um, the last one that I want to mention, and then we've come to the end of this uh, shorter but different podcast, is subtitles. Also, an inverse uh, or negative correlated phenomenon. This means that high-scoring cultures audio dub TV programs rather than subtitles. It's, you could see this, for instance, James Bond in high-scoring countries speaks the local language. So... In Germany, James Bond speaks German. In France, James Bond speaks French. In Poland, James Bond speaks Polish. There are some exceptions, and one of these exceptions is the region Flanders, which is the northern part of Belgium, where they do actually do subtitle movies like this as well, or uh, English-spoken movies. There, I guess there might be might be more to this list. No doubt there is. There are more phenomenon. If you do find that there are more phenomenon and you want to share them with us, then you can go to the um, the podcast, the um, which is called Uncertainty Avoidance. You can find it on culturematters.com and on slash UAI. No doubt you can find it there. And uh, the other thing that I want to point out, if you're, you're struggling with this dimension and still struggling with this dimension, and there is actually more to it as well, then I've written a book only dedicated to this dimension. It's called Uncertainty Avoidance in International Business, the hidden cultural dimension you need to understand when doing business overseas. And besides a couple of the points that you could hear on this podcast, I also cover um, the the difference between uncertainty avoidance, anxiety, fear, and risk. Uncertainty avoidance in and around the house and school. Uncertainty avoidance, health and happiness. Uncertainty avoidance in the workplace. Uh, Consumer behavior and uncertainty avoidance. And the rule of law in countries that high are either high or low on uncertainty avoidance. So there's a lot more to it than just what you just uh, heard in this podcast. Check it out, the book, and it's an easy way to get uh, to check this book out. Just go to culturematters.com slash UAI. 
as in uncertainty avoidance. Culturematters.com slash UA. And let me know what you think. Um, and really appreciate that if you would give me some feedback on this. Thank you very much. That's the end of this podcast. I'll be back in two weeks' time with yet another podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. 